0: If once again this morning you would turn with me to the first chapter of the book of Galatians, we'll be reading a long passage, verses 13 through 24, Galatians 1, 13 through 24. As you find that, if you would uh, follow on the printed page, uh, Galatians is right after uh, 2 Corinthians, all right? So you'll find it quickly. Galatians chapter 1, beginning with verse 13. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb... And called me through his grace to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. Thus far in the book of Galatians, the first 12 verses of the first chapter, Paul has defended the gospel that he preached Many were attacking the gospel, as you remember, because they said what he preached was incomplete. Paul preached that if any person would repent of sin and put their faith in Jesus who died, was buried, and rose again, that if they would trust him as Lord and Savior, they would indeed have their life saved and would live in heaven. Everywhere Paul went, he preached the same gospel It did not change according to his audience. He preached the same gospel in every place without exception. They attacked his apostleship because he was not with Jesus when Jesus was performing his earthly ministry and he did not see Jesus after his resurrection. They were assured that he could not be an apostle They said, Jesus is important in salvation, but he is not all that you need in salvation. That was their response to Paul's preaching. That was their response to him sharing the truth of who Jesus is and what he had done and the life that he had and the forgiveness he had received and the calling that he had received. They said it was not the full truth. They said things like, it's Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus the law that you must keep. Jesus plus your good works will make you right with God. We're not saved by Jesus plus anything. We're saved by Jesus alone. And Paul stood on that. And because of that, they questioned his calling and tried to destroy his ministry in saying that he was not apostle of Jesus and was not telling the truth. But what right does he have to preach the gospel? In this passage that I read to you, Paul gives three reasons in this passage of concerning his right to preach the gospel. He defends himself so that others may listen and that they might be converted. The first thing he points out, he says that his conversion gave him the right to preach the gospel. Look in verse 13. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. I want to tell you this morning, before the apostle Paul became a Christian, he was the most faithful follower of the Old Testament and of the laws and the teachings of Judaism Of any man on the face of the earth he was well educated he was one that had been taught the scriptures and knew them well before Paul became a Christian he was also a terror of the house of God of the people of the Lord Jesus Christ he was known as Saul of Tarsus who felt a personal calling and Privilege even to persecute the church because they had wavered from what he had been taught all of his life in the Old Testament teachings. Paul was determined To eradicate the church from the face of the earth and eradicate the name of Jesus He hated Christians He hated Jesus He hated the church but his conversion from that, he says, gives him the right to preach. His conversion from where he had been known as one who stood on the prophets of the Old Testament, who stood on the truths of Judaism and even taught it and, and, and lived it and had persecuted the church because he felt like the church was so strong and, and, and was wrong and was leading folks astray. But his conversion experience gave him, listen to what he says, Then Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, this is in Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 1 that murder against the disciples of the lord breathing out it is a picture of a fire breathing dragon other words he was destroying everyone in his path that named the name of jesus he said i went to the high priest and asked letters from him to be uh, to the synagogues of damascus that if he found any who were on the way or of the way whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he became, as he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, Trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Paul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a certain disciple. Well, you know he's not a Baptist then if he didn't eat anything. But neither ate nor drank. I lost my place. (laughs) Now, there were certain of the disciples at Damascus named Ananias. A certain disciple named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here am I, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision he was seen, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake in that passage you find the conversion of the Apostle Paul formerly Saul of Tarsus formerly a devout Jew formerly a persecutor of the church one whose whole life was being given to destroying the church of the Lord Jesus Christ one man one woman at a time And he planned on annihilating the church. And then his attention got arrested on the road to Damascus. Jesus spoke to him. Jesus was there talking to him and called him to be a preacher of the gospel and to be an apostle of his as he served him in sharing the gospel. There was a sinner, and there was a savior. And when the two met, the Savior never changed, but the sinner did. Paul's conversion, everything about him changed. His disdain for the people of God, known as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. His bitter hatred for them and for the message that they proclaimed went against his grain, against everything he had ever been taught. Until he met Jesus. That was a Damascus road experience. There was a Savior. There was a sinner. There was repentance. There was salvation. That's it. That's the Damascus Road experience. A sinner, a savior, and salvation. You don't have to be in Israel to have a Damascus Road experience. You don't have to be riding a horse to have a Damascus Road experience. Paul says, on the basis of my conversion, I have the right to preach I'm not the man I used to be. My life has been changed. My heart has been changed. Something wonderful has happened in my life, and that something is a person, and that person's name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so it is of every person who is converted, once walking their own path, living their own life, doing what they wanted to do, many times following the leadership of Satan in their lives because he has a hold on them. And then they come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in a Damascus Road experience, a sinner, a Savior, and a conversion. And everything changes about them And so it is with the church. Everyone truly saved, everyone that is a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has had a Damascus Road experience. You've met the Savior. He's called you to himself. He's called you to repentance. And you've responded to him to be your Lord and Savior. And Paul says, On the basis of my conversion i have the right to preach the gospel my may i add the responsibility to share the gospel not just the right but the responsibility that is the right and the responsibility of every saved person if you've met jesus If you've asked him to come into your life and you've been saved, then you have the responsibility, the privilege, and the right to proclaim Jesus wherever you are, in the marketplace, in the workplace, on the school campus, wherever you are because of your experience in meeting Jesus and he's changed your life. He's called you to share the gospel and you have that right, that responsibility and the privilege of sharing Jesus with others. Secondly, Paul said not only his conversion, but his calling gave him the right to preach the gospel. In verse 15 it says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen separated me from my mother's womb, called me by his grace to reveal his son to me that i might preach him among the heathen now that's the call of the apostle paul it's the call that he received to preach the gospel God didn't get the call, give, didn't give the call to Paul because of a great oratorical ability of the Apostle Paul. He did not ever proclaim that. He never suggested that he had that gift. He just had met Jesus and was called to preach the gospel. That call that the Apostle Paul received was to preach jesus to preach jesus we sometimes think that god is amazed that we do so well sometimes you can just really feel that way god must be impressed with how well i've done how well i've treated that person how well i responded in this situation god must be really impressed with me and sometimes people think Well, God looks down from heaven as he sees one of his children and says to the son, we never dreamed he'd be that good. (laughs) Who would have ever dreamed he could have spoken the word like he does and preached like he does? Why don't we call him to preach? Huh. Folks, I want to tell you, that never goes on in heaven God's not impressed with us he doesn't call anybody to preach the gospel because he's impressed with them because they're an eloquent speaker because they have abilities of of, 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 of preaching and, and have abilities of meeting folks and leading folks God's not looking for our abilities he's looking for our availability he's looking for our hearts to be arrested our minds to be touched our hearts to be changed that we would respond to him in our life and whatever we're doing we're always about sharing jesus with others is that your heartbeat Is that what goes on in your heart and life? That you feel an unction. You you understand there is a need. You understand there's a calling there. You understand you have been gifted with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ when you met him as your Lord and Savior. He changed your heart. He changed your mind. He changed your life and calls you to the work of evangelism, of sharing Jesus with others. He wants that to be you. He wants to do that in your life. Listen to what Paul says. From my mother's womb, before I was born, he separated me for preaching of the gospel. Now, you would ask me, well, preacher, is that election? What does election mean? It simply means that God chose you before you chose him now you can argue and debate it all you want but that's exactly and all that election means god chose you before you chose him paul says before i was out of my mother's womb god had already called me to preach now did he know it well of course not i did he didn't have a clue but god had already called him to preach do you remember what you knew when you came out of the womb of your mother all i know is i had a hard time some man slapped me on my bottom and made me cry and i cried and i cried and cried and i He finally gave me back to my mama who tried to love me back into quietness and to satisfy me. You know, I don't know why he slapped me, but I do know from experience that it made me mad. Have you ever been slapped? Have you ever had your posterior slapped? If you've been a child, you have, you know, that's all i remember about it i had nothing to do with being born it was all my mother birthing me did god call me to preach the day i was born i don't know i don't know when it was was his will that i be called to preach the gospel but somewhere in eternity past We have to understand that he ordained it for his purpose. Why does God call people? It's because we're so able and cute and warm and fuzzy. That fits me real good, doesn't it? No, (laughs) it's not because of those things. It pleased God. That's what Paul said. It pleased God. It just was in the good pleasure of God. You say, well, preacher, if that's what election is, that God has chosen you, listen, that doesn't make you anything special because God has chosen everyone. The Bible says it is not his will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. It is the will of God that all would be saved. But some reject God's choosing and die lost. You can neglect God's call on your life as his child also. You can neglect to do what he's called you to do. I had a man in my church one time that said to me, Pastor, I know, and he was old, 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 and he says, I know I miss what God called me to do. When I was a young man, I knew in my heart, I knew that God had called me to be a preacher of the gospel. And I was afraid of it. I had other plans. And, and I met my wife, and we decided to get married. And, and we're going to have children. And, and I needed to work. I needed to pay for that family. I needed to support it. And, and I know God called me, though. And I neglected that call. I never responded to it. I turned away from it. And now I'm an old man, and it's too late. I can't do it anymore. And I said, oh, yeah, you can do it. You don't have to be in the pulpit to be a proclaimer of the gospel. You can do it in your everyday life. You can do it in the marketplace. You can do it in the workplace. You can do it in the home place. You can do it with your family. You can do it with your friends. Just sharing the good news of God. I want you to know I'm not one of the Baptist pretty boys. But every once in a while, God will just call to preach some old fat boy. Like Junior Hill, Bob Pittman. Don't tell him I said it, but Sid Nichols or Rick Evans it helps to remind us that we're not deserving of the call we're not special in getting that call we're not above anyone else when we get that call it is a call to walk in obedience it is a call to propagate the gospel at every opportunity it is the call of God on your life and your heart to preach to preach the word And I'm telling you, I ran from that call, but for a short time. I'll never forget the day I drove my dad's car over to our pastor's house that lived 25 miles away. And I walked up, knocked on the door, and I said, Brother Eldridge, can I talk to you? He says, I wondered when you were going to come. I looked at him like, you crazy old bird. He says, come on, sit out here in the swing with me, Rick. They called me Ricky. He says, come here, Ricky, tell, tell me what's on your heart. I said, Brother Eldridge, I just cannot get it off my mind that God's called me to preach. He said, really? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you'll be preaching Sunday. I said, sir? I said, he's calling me to preach, and that'll be in the future when I grow up and, and get education and so forth. He said, oh, no, when God calls you to preach that's the time to respond i was shaken like a leaf on a tree on a windy day i said sir he said yes sir you preach sunday morning sunday morning i mean we had night service but it was like most churches back then it was about a third of the crowd of sunday morning and it was but i should have known better because sunday night is those folks who knew their bible better than i did and they would have called me out on any mistake i made but you're gonna preach sunday morning I prepared, I studied, oh, did I study and prepare to preach. I was so ready to preach, I, I preached up, Preached on, I preached up, but I preached down too. I preached Jesus when he said that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I thought there was so much in that, and There is. But I got up and I preached and I re-preached it and I re-preached it again and I got through and I said, folks, I've just said all I know to say and that's the truth of God's word. Well, I had preached for four and a half minutes. Brother Elders was so sweet, he stood behind me and came up and he says, well, brethren, out of the mouth of babes, such as we've heard today. God didn't call him to preach long. He called him to preach. He missed that, didn't he? (laughs) God didn't call him to preach long. He called him to preach, and every word out of his mouth was the truth of God's word. And I sat there amazed. My pastor said that about me. But I've learned later, it didn't matter what Brother Eldred said about me. It's what God says about my response to his calling. The Apostle Paul said, I'm qualified because of my calling. I want you to know I have the right to preach. My conversion gives me the right to preach my calling gives me the right to preach and finally paul says my changed life gives me the right to preach sometimes we think that jesus is in the business of just getting people to walk down the aisle baptists are full of that We rejoice over someone walking down an aisle, and I do every time when someone comes and gives their heart to Jesus. It is a wonderful experience. But it's funny that that's so important to us. And out of the millions of Southern Baptists, over 60% of them never attend church. Over 60%. Of members on the rolls of Southern Baptist Church not just attend occasionally when you include those who attend occasionally even if they come just for Easter and Christmas over 60% never attend church anymore it's no big deal to be a Baptist it is a big deal to be a Christian no big deal to walk down an aisle. It is a big deal to leave from walking down the aisle a changed person, one whose heart has come in tune with the heart of Jesus, one who knows what God has called them to do, and you see a difference in their life. I'm telling you, I've seen it through the years. I've seen it in many of you who have come to faith in Christ and the change he's made in your life. You come to church not because it's your duty. You come to church not because it's something that everybody else is doing because everybody else is not even doing it. Even 60% of Southern Baptists don't come to church. You come to church because you love Jesus. You come to church because it's the right thing to do. You might say to me, well, if I tell you right now, preacher... I joined that church. I walked that aisle. Yes, sir, I walked that aisle. Baptists are full of that. God's business is not a aisle walk, walk. It's a change of life, change of who you are. I've done that. i filled out that card. I even got baptized. But I still do the same things I used to do. I go to the same old places. I hang out with the same old crowds. What do you think about that, preacher? I think you lost as a hank. What do I think about that? I think you never came to saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You never made him the Lord of your life. And I think you're lost and you're destined for an eternity outside of heaven in hell. Why? Because according to the scripture, Jesus changes lives. He changes lives. That's what the apostle Paul said. I want to tell you, I have the right to preach because my life has changed and there were three areas where he was changed and I'll be through three areas number one he was changed in his mission with what he was going to do with his life his mission before he was changed was to persecute the church was to lock them up, many of them put to death, go around seeking for him. He had gone and asked for permission to go to Damascus and to make arrest and change those heathens, Christians, and persecute them. But when God spoke to his heart, his mission changed. Listen to what he says. To reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen immediately, I conferred not. I didn't talk with flesh and blood. He said in verse 17, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to meet with them which were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Why? He just wanted to walk with Jesus. He just wanted to spend time with Jesus. He wanted to know Jesus, and Jesus changed his life through that walk. Jesus changed his life through those three years. He had to put away the old man that he was, and he had to become not one who persecuted the church, but one who loved the church, not one that wanted to stand in the way of anybody being a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, but to lead folks, to preach to people, to Tell them about Jesus that they might become a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He changed his mission. Or I should say God changed his mission. His friendships were changed. Look at verse 18. Then after three years, three years after I was saved... I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. The word see means to go get acquainted with. You see, Peter was a great preacher of the gospel. And Paul wanted to go meet Peter and talk with him. But he didn't want to be trained by a man. He didn't want to be taught to preach by somebody else. And, 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 you know, we've gotten to the place today, you can't even pastor a church if you hadn't been trained to preach. Paul didn't want somebody else. He didn't want the apostle Peter telling him what he needed to say and what was the truth about Jesus. He spent three years alone with Jesus. He sought to know Jesus in a very personal way. He wanted the truth revealed in his own heart and life. And then he could go talk to Peter and become friends with him. And he did become friends with him. His friendships changed. The people he wanted to be around, the people he wanted to listen to, the people he wanted to please, the people that he wanted to fellowship with and who he wanted to work alongside, all of that changed. You see, there'd been a day when Paul would have killed Peter. Paul would have arrested him and had him put to death. Paul used to run around with a high priest. But now his friendships have changed. Have your friendships changed? The people you fellowship with, the lifestyle that you live, is it different from the world? Are you the same person you were? I'm convinced that meeting Jesus changes a person's mission in life. I didn't say your employment, I didn't say your vocation. It changes your mission in life. If you become a teacher, you want to teach children that they might, in such a way, and you're so limited today in what you say, and I understand that, but you want to teach them in such a way that they see Jesus alive in you. There's something about you that's different. You become their favorite teacher. You become the one they want to respond to. In the workplace, they ought to notice there's something different about you, that you're just not like everybody else. You don't participate in some of the other things. Your language does not betray the Lord Jesus Christ. You are different. Your friendships have changed. Your friends are other Christians. But lastly, his testimony had changed. Verse 23, he says, But they heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which once he tried to destroy and they glorified God in me. They glorified the fact that God had changed my life, had changed my heart and he called me to do what I'm doing. He said, they don't talk about me like they used to and it's my prayer that every time I stand before this congregation and preach that God will use the words of my mouth and the desire of my heart and the time of my study to say to those who are here God wants you to walk with him he wants you to be different he wants your life to be changed your mission to be changed he wants your friends to be changed he wants your testimony to be changed you may say this morning preacher my life is miserable good let god use your misery to bring you to him maybe that's what he's saying to you if it wasn't that way you wouldn't need to want jesus but in your misery you see it's not working out very well as it is things aren't going the way you thought they would go things aren't going as planned and you are simply miserable would you let the misery drive you to jesus He stands with open arms. He he stands with a forgiving heart. He desires you to be in fellowship with him and for your life to be changed, to come to faith, to grow, and let him have his way in your life. Jesus will change you. Can I have a testimony? Jesus will change you but you have to let him. You have to be willing to turn to him and crown him Lord of your life, Savior of your soul, Redeemer from your sins, the life giver. He will change everything about your life. That's not folklore, that's the truth. That's the truth that has been testified by others through the centuries that God changed my life in Jesus. God changed my life in Jesus. The question is, have you ever let God change your life by coming to Jesus? He will. The Apostle Paul was persecuting and killing the members of the churches. Jesus, in his awesome grace, in his awesome love, and his awesome will, arrested the attention of Saul of Tarsus and brought him to faith and then called him as an apostle and a preacher of the gospel. You're talking about a life-changing experience. But you know, especially for an adult, coming to Jesus is always a life-changing experience. The question is, have you had it? Have you experienced a life change by coming to Jesus? What an opportunity right now. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege of preaching the gospel. Lord, I pray that you'll bless today. There's one here that never has professed to you as Lord and Savior. And maybe they've joined a church, maybe they've been baptized, but they've never come to faith in you. Change their heart. Have your way. Draw them unto yourself that they may be saved. Have your way right now in Jesus' name, amen.